0: All right, Matthew 7, we're going we're gonna to finalize, like I said, our, our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to deal with Jesus' conclusion, his closing remarks. I'm going to um, hit it from a, sort of the accepted vantage points, and then I'm going to hit it from also a different vantage point that I think will be uh, helpful. But let's go ahead and let's read through these last... Uh, six verses here. in Matthew 7, verse 24. Jesus is going to bring everything to a summary. I bring everything to a close here. He goes, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, Just, that, that sentence just puts even a little tremble in my heart. It fell, and great was its fall. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. I just, I, you know, they're amening, they're staring, they're gaping. Oh my gosh, did you hear what he said? I mean, just... Can you you know get the feeling of awe as he's preaching, and then he's done. it. What was that? You ever you ever you know come out of a service and it was like, you know, the preacher was clearly the Lord was just speaking, and you just you come out and you're like, man, what was that? The Lord is encountering. I mean, that's that was the they were astonished. Look at verse twenty nine. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Well, I guess so. He is the word incarnate. I'm, I'm guessing he has the authority to teach the word. Imagine, I just, I just, let's just dream for a minute. Can you imagine actually being one on the earth? Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, and he's, he's doing, it's not a cool meeting. Think of your favorite teacher, preacher, whoever. It's not just some guy talking about what Jesus said like we're doing. It's Jesus teaching it. The one who is the living word, God incarnate, the second person of the Trinity, and he's expounding on the scriptures. I bet, I mean, I bet everywhere it's like, oh my gosh, did you hear that? Oh my gosh. I mean, I bet people were just getting blown away left and right just at the preaching. Astounded, astonished because of the authority of his words. All right. Let's go back to this now then in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Of course, immediately... What comes to mind is uh, James teaching in James one, twenty-two through twenty-five when he talks about being a, uh, a doer of the word and not merely a hearer. It says if you if you're a hearer only and not a doer, he goes you're like a man who looks in a mirror and you can't even remember who you are. You 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 completely don't have uh, an identity. You, you don't you you completely have a, you're completely at a loss. And so, I think James' teaching on being a doer and not a hearer only is reminiscent. He's actually, I think, sort of restating Jesus' final statements in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, what Jesus is doing is this. He's capsulating those previous three chapters, the core values, the, the uh, sort of reteaching of the law, the characteristics of the kingdom, the admonitions and the cautions, He's capsulating him and saying this: "If you'll live by what you've just heard, it will be wisdom to you. It will be incredible wisdom to you. It will be wisdom to you in this manner, that when floods and storms come, when they come, your house will stand. You will be a wise man, and your house will stand." Now that is a huge statement. Because think about it. Think about the emotional struggle. Think about the, the anxiety, the worry, uh, the human failure that so many people go through in life. And Jesus, in, in a very succinct way, lays out core values and characteristics, a manner of life, a way to live. Living with your heart tuned to another age, living in meekness, humility, servanthood, fasting, prayer preferring others, loving, giving. He he lays out a manner to live and and, and, and just so succinctly he encapsulates it and says, if you'll live by what I've just told you, you will not experience the destruction that so many others experience when they go through challenges. I mean, we don't tend to like overly simplistic answers because the the knots that sin ties into humanity are so varied and so many, it just seems so complex, the, the problems and the challenges. Well, there's an exponential complexity that sin brings through when it comes through multiple generations. I mean, the problems get enormous. But Jesus says this, he goes, if you'll actually live by the values of the kingdom, these things that I've just said, if you live your life this way, when problems and challenges come, you will actually have wisdom and you will be solid and you will stand even through all those challenges. My goodness. This is kind of like one of those where you go, okay, well, let me, I think I need to do this from Jesus' own mouth. If you live this way, you won't go through the destruction that others go through. Notice that he didn't say, if you live this way, you won't have storms. No, notice he didn't say that you won't have floods and winds and storms. No, he said, when those come, your house will be solid. There, there's a, there is a, um, a misunderstanding that you hear often and, and kind of taught that Christians don't go through problems. Jesus never taught that. Jesus taught that through problems, because everybody's going to go through them, through challenges, through winds, through storms, through floods, you can be stabilized in your own heart and in your own life. And the Sermon on the Mount is the key issue. The characteristics and the culture of the kingdom of God living them out in this life stabilizes you in a way that nothing else has the capacity to do. That's incredibly important because a lot of times Christians imagine, well, I'm saved, I'm serving Jesus. And as soon as something rough happens, they think something's the matter. No, rough things happen to Christians. Like really, we really got to get this. When the winds, when the floods, when the rains beat on the house, You ever had your house beat on? (laughs) See, we've done a major disservice to people teaching them that come to Jesus and everything's going to get better. That is cross grain to what Jesus taught and what the apostles taught. Jesus said, come to me and take up your cross. That doesn't sound like better. If, if you're not facing crucifixion, come to me and take up your cross to be crucified. That doesn't sound better. And Paul said things like, for me to, to, to live is Christ, but die is gain. And through many tribulations, we enter the kingdom of God. Peter said stuff like, we're appointed to sufferings. Because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example. And we've done a massive disservice to people teaching them that you won't go through problems if you get saved. That's not true. In fact, it'll probably get more difficult. Because before you were on the devil's team, why is he worrying about you? You're on his team. But once you change teams, now he's ticked, now he's actually going to be shooting at you. Before you were in agreement with him just doing everything he said, and he was destroying you effortlessly. Now you're saying you don't want to serve him and he goes, oh man, I really do hate you. I'm coming after you now. So the idea that, uh, you know, you can, we're going to serve Jesus and everything's going to get better, it's just going to be better for you. That's not real. It's probably going to be a little more challenging. It's probably going to be more difficult. You will have to have grace imparted to your soul because you will not be able to stand against the onslaught of hell and sin and the sway of the world without God's grace stabilizing you and you must give yourself to living the value system of the kingdom because floods and winds are going to come and beat on you and it's the value system of the kingdom lived out in your life that will stabilize you and you'll be found wise in a time of challenge and you'll be able to stand firm through those challenges Hmm. Well, if that's the case, I better go back and... You know what? I think we'll start next week at Matthew chapter 5. <laughs> because we need this, beloved. Because here's what we cannot do with the Sermon on the Mount. Because of that, that, those verses there where Jesus just raises the bar on it, and he says this is actually the key to living through the challenges, and there's real hints there about the end of the age. There's real hints about uh, the challenges that the church will face at the end of the age. When he says this is the key to being stable and receiving, to stable in this life through problems and receiving rewards in the next life, we need to take it real seriously. Because he raises the bar so high on on his uh, teaching here. So he goes, do these words, You'll be a wise man who built his house on the rock. When the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall because it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and that's the one. Great was its fall. The level of disaster, the level of destruction, for the Lord to call it great, that's significant. It's a big deal. And we can look around the earth. We can look at the lives of the lost. We go, whoa, there is a lot of destruction going on and the lives of humanity who are not serving the Lord. I mean, it's just so many horrifying stories But then, to me, he's actually talking about those that have heard the sayings and don't do them. It has a very, to me, a very specific application to those that would be actually hearing his sayings. Which would, to me, point to the community of believers. At the very lowest level, the group that's at least trying to pay attention to what he said. And here's here's where the, uh, here's where the fear of the Lord comes on me. This is where the tremble comes. Because I would be in the group for sure that has heard the sayings, because I've read them, paid attention to them. You would too. You would be in that group. The, the, the challenge is, do you fall into the second group, heard them and did them? Or do you fall into the other group, heard them and did not do them? And Here's where the tremble comes on me. We, guys, do you know how much hearing we do? We hear all the time the word. All the time preaching, Christian radio. All the time books and Christian television. We hear and hear and hear and hear. And I go, wow, our hearing level is huge. Where then is our application level? because the amount of disparity between the hearing and the application of those things in our life that's a concern and i i'm here's what i think happens this is where my heart trembles i think a lot of times we imagine because we're hearing that we're actually doing it we think because we hear it and we could even say it back We can even quote it back. But we imagine because we heard it that we're actually doing it. When in fact we've heard it, but the application isn't necessarily alive in our life. And here's the challenge. We'll be flowing along with the course of this world system, painting Jesus on it. Not recognizing that though we've heard it, we haven't actually done it. And here's where the rubber meets the road. When the storm comes. Because when the storm comes and everything starts to shake, does the house stand or does it disintegrate and melt away like sand does under rain? I'm not a builder, not too handy, but I know this. If I was trying to build a sturdy something, I wouldn't use sand as the foundation. He goes, so just what Jesus said. If you hear what I say and you do not do it, he goes, your life is sand. It's as susceptible to the elements as sand. It's as susceptible to shifting and, and being moved away as sand. And I my concern for me, let's let's put me there, Billy Humphrey. My concern for me is. Do have I convinced myself that my hearing equals doing? Because I know, you know, I know the verses. I can stand up here and teach fourteen sessions on, sessions on them. Does so? Does that then, in my mind, translate to I'm actually doing it because I know it, I heard it? That's a concern, beloved. That's a concern. Where What we've got to deal with is the, the contradiction that's in our hearts. What I'm saying is where our heart and our lifestyle is contradictory to this value system. we got to deal with that. Because we do not want to be in the group that hears and doesn't apply it and doesn't act on it. We don't want to be that group. So we need to, in the grace of God, hurl ourselves into the application of these things in our life. And really make the tough choices. Really make the tough decisions so that when the challenges come, because they are coming, they have come and they are coming, that we'll stand through them. Our foundation will be secure through them. And I always marvel, I I look at different Christians throughout history and I look at the things they went through and I just it blows my mind how stable. Believers are who are really living for Jesus, really living the values of the kingdom, how how stable they are through the most horrific events. You read the the stories and the biographies and you go, my goodness, this is incredible how they just stood firm for Christ. The value system of the kingdom will put a root in you. It will put an, an iron rod in you living for his glory and his beauty and meekness, humility, and servanthood, it will put an iron stake in you that when the storm comes, you'll find yourself, though beaten through the storm, by beaten by the wind, beaten by the rain, you'll find yourself not beaten, still standing. That's Jesus' point here. He goes, that's wisdom. People won't, they won't agree with it. They they won't understand what you're doing. They won't know why you're living that way. They'll think you're weird. He goes, but when the storms come, wisdom will be justified. One house will stand, one house will fall. And I look at my own life and I go, you know, I can see the level that I'm living by the value system of the kingdom when storms come. It's, It's identified, it's not... Our, the value of our Christianity is never identified when everything's happy. The reality of our Christianity is identified when everything is difficult. And when the storms come on my life, the amount of tumult and, and shifting and you know, the difficulty that I have personally and emotionally and, and, and personally processing and getting through, that tells me how much I'm living by the values of the kingdom and how much I'm not. And there is a strong influence, this is called the sway of the spirit of this age, that wants us to live a certain way for ourselves, getting all we can, looking out for number one, all these things. That's not in the Bible. God helps those who help Himself. That's not a scripture. <clears throat> and there's such a, a thing where it's just trying to push us this way to. Sort of be like, I don't know. Fake, false. Founded on sand, believing that we're not. That's what's got me concerned. The belief, because I'm hearing it, I think my foundation is rock. When the whole time I've been hearing it, and I could quote it back to you, but if it's not applied in my life, my foundation is faulty, subject to failure. That's my concern for myself and for the church. We wouldn't actually deceive ourselves into believing we're applying these realities just because we've heard them. And that's what Jesus is nailing. You've got to live it. You can't just even understand. Just because you understand it, is, it makes no difference. So you can explain the plank and the speck. Who cares? If you don't actually apply that way of living to your own life when it comes to the issues of judgment. If you don't actually put your heart before the Lord and let him deal ruthlessly with the sin in your own heart before you ever lift a finger to help someone else out with theirs. What does it matter if you understand it, if you don't live it? So I feel it, I go, oh. Now here's a a nuance I want to give you on this verse. Because for a long time, I only ever applied it to my individual life and the application it had to me. How will I personally make it through when storms and floods and winds come? But it's an interesting actual, uh, the symbolism is really interesting symbolism. The The idea of the house. Builds his house on the rock. Builds his House on the sand. And I'm, this is what's actually really touching me right now. The idea of the house being more than the individual life. But the idea of the house actually being you, your family, your children, and your children's children and the successive generations. And the concept of me applying these things to my life, but not building my house on them. Let me ask you something. What does it matter if I know and live these things, but I do not pass them on to a successive generation? to another generation and the following generation. What does it matter if I gain revelation and even live it out if I do not hand it to my house? One of our huge failures is that much that we've gained in Christ in a certain generation, we fumble and lose because we never ensure that we're passing it to the next generation. We don't build our house we build ourselves i'm i'm gripped over this point that whatever god is entrusting me with in my generation it is my responsibility in the grace of god but it's my responsibility then to take that and build my family and build my children On those things God's giving me. If I don't do that. When the storms come. My family. My children. My grandchildren. They will be beaten and fall. This is huge beloved. One of our major failures. And the reason why we haven't. The church is what I mean. The reason why we haven't expanded through multiple generations is. We haven't built our house. On these things. And so often, what one generation gains, it never is passed on, and so it just—it's—it's it's birthed, it's bought, birthed, accepted, realized, applied, and lost all in one generation. I—I I feel this, that the Lord wants us, yes, to hear. Yes, to live it, but more than that, to take these values of the kingdom and actually instill them in our families, in our successive generations, and make this be a lifestyle reality for those that are subjects of the kingdom. Jesus' words here at the end of this uh, chapter 7, uh, chapter 7, 24 through 28, his words there are really reminiscent of Matthew 5, what he started with in verse 19, where he says, whoever therefore breaks one of these, uh, least of these commandments, and teaches men so should be called least in the kingdom, but whoever does and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom. And I go, what's the application for doing them, hearing them, doing them, and teaching? Well, not everybody has a teaching platform, Lord. What's the application Your house. It's your house. What would it look like? What would it look like if over four, just four generations? Father, son, grandson, great-grandson, and all the children, all the spouses, all the siblings, all began to live a Sermon on the Mount lifestyle, really live it. What would that look like, beloved? We would be living in a kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven world. Because the culture will have permeated through society in an exponential way. We cannot neglect that idea. And I'm feeling it so much because it's not enough for me to be fiery. It's not enough for me to have whatever God's given me. It must go to the next generation. It must go to the sons and daughters, lest we commit a great failure and see the thing end in one generation. Look at First uh, Timothy five. Paul giving Timothy guidelines on how to train family members and operate in honor and how to minister to widows and. Says this really important verse. Verse eight. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, he's talking about taking care of widows and them being taken into the, the, the number of, uh, of widows that were being provided for. And so he's in a very, in the context of, in a very first kind of runway. he's talking about provisions for those in your own household financially. But this application, you can take that principle and apply it to spiritual truth. And I really believe the Lord feels that strongly about it. Because he talks about a house built on the sand and great is its fall. Great is the fall of the house. I just really believe there is a spiritual principle of passing it on to the next generation. We get it. We live it. And then we train and teach others, especially our family, to do it as well. This is critical, beloved. This is critical. We all want to win the world and evangelize the lost. What about the ones that live under our own roof? This is is so critical. I was having a, a moment at the prayer meeting yesterday, and the Lord came on me about Malachi 4, verse 6. Flip on over there. And I began to literally vibrate internally. You know, like when you're really cold, when you're shivering, that's what's going on to me, but it's not cold in there. And I'm shivering, I'm vibrating on the inside over this issue. And he brings these verses to my mind, these ones that we've quoted a lot, kind of slap them on the children's church and... It says, Behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to, the, to their fathers lest they come and strike the earth with a curse. And we've touched these verses a lot and they've come from a bunch of different angles, but the Lord begins to highlight them to me yesterday. And, and the impression in my heart he was giving me was the turning of the hearts of the fathers to the children is when the father takes what's in his heart and gives it to the children. The turning of his heart is when he takes what he has gained and he offers it to the next generation freely. Rather than the father taking what he's gained and using it for himself, he takes what he's gained and uses it for the benefit of his kids. He builds his house. And I feel the Lord's energy on this point. These things, these thoughts, the Sermon on the Mount, this this can't just be some sort of generic thing where we go, you know what? We need to do this in our community. you go, yeah, that's right, Billy. We need to do this. What's the next sermon series gonna be on? It's gotta be this thing where we go, you know what? I need to do this in my life and we need to do this in our family and we need to take a a good look by the Holy Spirit as to the areas where we're not living the values of the kingdom and get those out so that we can truly be ones whose house is built on the rock. We need to do this in our family, train our family and our kids to live this way So that this is their culture. And so that they will train their families. We need to build our houses on these sayings. It's not just enough to hear them. It's not just enough to apply them to our own self. I really believe the Lord wants us to apply them to our our families, our lives. And, And to live these things out. And have the next generation grow up and learn these things. The the exponential power of revelation passed on to multiple generations. You know what I'm saying? You you get the revelation and it's new to you. Like for me, I go, okay, it's new to me at 40. Whoa, that's good, that's God. But I hand it to my 10-year-old. And then he applies it and leans into the word with prayer and seeking God and, and the spirit of revelation comes on him and now the Lord shows him Another facet. He starts at 10, where I am at 40. The exponential power of revelation passed on in the kingdom. This is how it's supposed to be. The body of Christ. This is how it's supposed to be. The values, we don't just listen to them as good sermons. We embrace them, we live them, we pass them to our children. It becomes our family cultures. And it goes and goes and goes three and four and five generations down. I always am blessed when I meet a a, a, a person who says, yeah, my my dad uh, is a minister. His dad was a minister. His dad was a minister. You know, we've got five generations, and, and I'm in the ministry. I'm going in the I ministry. Mean, just, I just look at that. I just marvel at that. Like, that's amazing. It's so rare. It's so precious in the earth. But what if that was the testimony of all of our generations? I don't know how it has worked in your life. You know, who came to Christ first? You know, are you you a fifth generation? You know, believer? You first? You're the maybe the first one in your family. It doesn't really matter. But the the point is, you hear it, you embrace it, you apply it, you live it, and then you pass it on. And see to it that you pass it on. See to it that you pass it on. This this has got to really be how it goes. We really do build our houses on this thing. I You know, I just, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. It was, it was gripping me yesterday. My sons, my daughter, growing up being moral. They don't cuss. Don't go to our rated movies. But they don't burn either. Oh, that God. Ah. Oh. Would, would impart into them the very things he's gripped me with. I'm already out on a limb, I might as well just say this. If your fiery passion for the Lord has turned into average, just getting along, not creating, creating any problems, Christianity, repent and return back to your first love. Most people stay fiery for about five or ten years and then they just sort of settle in. And they settle in in the name of, I've got to have a career and I've got to raise a family. Who said raising a family has got to make you dull in Christ? I think raising a family is supposed to make you fiery in Christ. So now it's not just you and your wife going for it, but now you've got a little, you know, a, 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 a fiery family of little... Forerunners, you know, just... You know what I mean? Little revivalists. The cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, they steal the word. I tell you, this is so unpopular and challenging in the West. Because there's a wisdom that's of the world that says, you you need to settle down just build your family. Take care of, you know, all your little issues and make sure you've got you all your money and all your stuff all taken care of. And I'm not for being reckless and, and, and foolish, but I'm telling you, there is a greater wisdom that says build your house on the rock. And it's about living these values and passing them on to it, another generation and being a fiery, burning and shining lamp in the earth. This, this is how we're called to live, beloved. This is our portion. Let's not let it, let's not let it just be hearing in our ears. But more than that, so let it, let's let it be doing, but let's not, not, not just let it be hearing in our ears and doing in our lives. Let's build our houses on it. Amen. Let's let it transcend the generations, transcend the community of our, of our faith and our families let's live this way for real. I want this lifestyle. I want it for real. I'm asking the Lord to hold me on a very short rope so that when I begin to veer, when I begin to get under the influence of the spirit of the age, he goes, goes, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, little buddy, that's sand. Don't go there. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Turn our hearts to the children, Lord. Turn our hearts to the children. Turn our hearts to the next generation. You know, you might be single and you go, ah, that didn't really apply to me. I'm not a mother, father. You will be probably. It really does apply to you. You need to get this vantage point now so that it's normal when you get married, when you have children. It's just normal. This is how you do life. This is how we live. The culture of the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray. Let these truths. Not end in one generation. Let them be passed on. Let them be passed on. To another generation, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray, release the spirit of Elijah turning of the hearts the spirit of Elijah, the turning of the hearts to the children the revelation you've granted us, we wouldn't be lost in one generation it would pass on and on and on I want to give a call two things, if you'd say A I don't want to be I don't want to be deceived into believing because I'm hearing that I'm doing. I really want the doing of it. I want the application in my life. If you'd say, That's me, I I, I want the Lord to release grace to me to apply these truths in my life. I want to invite you forward. I want to pray for you. Secondly, if you'd say, I want this to not be something that only I apply, I want to build my house. And I see the necessity of it. I'm asking the Lord for grace to build my house on the rock, I want you to come, if you're in a hurry and you have to leave, that's fine, I'm not in a hurry, this is critical, this is critical for us, doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married, it doesn't matter, In kindness, some of us need to get the religious whitewash off. You may have heard it a hundred times. Come, Holy Spirit, right now I'm asking for myself. (laughs) I'm asking for my life. Asking for my family. I want the spirit of Elijah, God. I want to live this way. I want to live this way. I don't want to be suckered in by the sway of the spirit of the age. God, I don't want what you're gifting us to die in one generation. Let the exponential power of revelation be released into the generations into the generations, into our families, into our children, our children's children, third and fourth generations. Your blessing. God, I pray for the piercing of the heart. Keep us on a short rope, God. We wouldn't look to the right or the left. We want the narrow path. We want the narrow gate, the difficult way. We want that. We do not want the wide gate, the broad way. Ha! Oh. God, where we've been duped, And deluded. Release light on us. In your kindness, help God. Help God. We need help, God. We need help. We need help. We need this wisdom. This wisdom of the house built on the rock. The wisdom of the house built on the rock.